Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami. Big Dave, man. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I had a big day this morning. I, I, so it's why, morning why is that? Time. It's morning time. We're recording this. I got up. I went to the, to the gym to work out with a friend. And then I, I went from there to physical therapy and did another 45 minutes and went out for a little run with a buddy. Busy morning, man. I'm feeling fit and I'm ready for a nap. Uh, man, my mornings are always busy. And I see today, you and I, we weren't even talking, but it's plaid day. Look, plaid flannel shirts, man. It's chilly yeah. out. We're getting into the the the, the, the uh, post-Christmas New Year's Eve time and starting 22 off with a bang. And I'm excited today to have one of our all my all-time favorite people to talk to is Lowell Applebaum, man. Lowell is like the godfather of strategy and associations. And I'm excited to hear what comes out of his ginormous brain today. And if you want to, if you want to look up Lowell, it's L O W E L L, and his last name is not spelled like Apple, like it sounds. It's spelled A P L E, one P A P L E B A U M. If you yep. look him up, you'll find him. His company is Vista Cova, focused on vision, strategy, leadership, and facilitation. I'm just reading that under your logo. Oh, welcome, Logal. Lowell. Thank Lowell. you, Logal. <laughs> the, go- the Godfather Lowell. of strategy. Lowell. Does that mean I need to make you an offer you can't refuse? Mm. I like I like the Godfather. I'm already seeing you sitting in a chair out and uh, drinking a glass of wine somewhere. We we can talk. It would probably be a glass of beer, but we can talk about that as well. Well, what I love about Law is he is one of those guys that, with passion, mm-hmm. leads with his heart and is truly making and transforming associations around the country. Because Law, how how many miles? You mentioned it before we got on here. How many miles did you fly this past year? And making a difference. The uh, I mean, last year, even with COVID, twenty twenty one, in twenty twenty one, it was close to two hundred thousand miles in the air. But more so, we were able to work with. I think it's going to come in at eighty six associations last year. Uh, which, gosh, there's thousands and thousands. So there's still right. a lot more to find. But it it does mean that hopefully we're we're able to. Uh, touch many different organizations that are just doing amazing work to help them have an even stronger vision of what's possible. All right. So Lowell, not, not to get too crude here, but when you touch yeah. these um, associations, where yes. are you touching them? Like what, what ex- can you talk a little bit about um, what typically, yeah. how are you best at touching these associations? How are you best at working with them? Yeah, I'm well, totally making an awful innuendo there. You're a little exactly bit, right. a little you're bit picking up on it. You're, you're, you're down a rabbit trail if you allow him. I got to get the leash <laughs> on him. Man, man. It All sounds right. like you needed a few more hours at the gym. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, for for I, us, but I have, I have a, a teenage boys, and so my my sense of humor is right right up their alley. The, uh, I have a 10-year-old son, so we're not there yet, uh, but I'm hoping my uh, twin eight-year-old girls will keep him in line. Well, hopefully uh, your sense of humor grows with your kids. I'll work mine, on it. Mine stopped after they, they passed 14. My sense of humor is still around 14. Uh, well, I, I appreciate it. You know, you for well, <laughs> how we work with organizations, right? Yeah. Like the, what, What's your main focus when you're working with these 86? I mean, it's to look at the leadership of the organization that have both the onus as well as the, you know, the blessing 
of being stewards of mission and of potential as they're trying to gather, you know, voices and perspectives that represent a cause or an industry and say, how do we actually collectively better what we do and how we do it that can impact clients, communities, and society. And so the work we're doing is looking to partner with those leaders. Uh, and there's, there's times that certainly we'll work with the whole membership. We also work with, you know, with staff and with executives, but most often it's with senior staff and with boards of directors uh, who are the ones that are responsible for vision. I don't understand it, I mean, that sounded awesome, but like, yeah. I don't even know how you'd write that up in a proposal. Like, so what yeah. is it strategic planning? It is. I mean, it is often strategic planning, though. I think when you hear strategic planning, you think about the uh, tactics and milestones. And so it's right. really based for every organization. Vision, right? And, and where you want to be and how you're providing value and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. But I mean, here's the question I ask to organizations, though. They usually will come when they say we either need a leadership structure that's going to lead us to the future. And we'll take a look at the leadership structures they have and how do we help it enhance that? Or, you know, what is the vision of the future we're trying to create? And that's where you get into like strategy and planning. When you ask who do we work with, what I ask organizations is, as you think about the work we need to accomplish, what are the voices you need to have at the table that are going to help be well immersed in like the profession, the cause, but not be married to what's been in the past, right? Who are the potential places that have visions of foresight and that are going to be able to voice those, hear the differences and come to some places of a greater, more powerful consensus about what the future looks like. And then come up with priorities, right? You can't do any everything. Uh, that leads into the planning part you're talking about then, Dave, right? Priorities, goals, success metrics, all that kind of so stuff. I, I'm dying to ask you about this, Tom. Uh, then I'll shut up for a little bit and, and you can ask a question too. Um, so as an entrepreneur, there are a couple systems um, operational systems, strategic planning systems that uh, are very, very popular. You know, two in particular I'm thinking of. Um, I did another one at my last company, but the two most popular are the um, scaling up with Vern Harnish and uh, otherwise known as Gazelles uh, or Rockefeller Habits. Those are all the same thing. Um, they, so that's Vern Harnish and Vern has been getting into and starting to speak to the association space as well. Um, the, the other one is, uh, Gino Wickman, uh, who does traction is the book, I think. And then the process that he uses is called the entrepreneur's operating system. And so the, both of these systems are similar in the way that it, it's about helping an organization create a vision identify the people associated with that vision, the, the, the values and, you know, the long-term vision, 10, 20 year vision, the, the three year vision, and then the quarterly steps to get there. Yeah. I think that's in, in a lot of ways, I think that's what you're doing with associations, correct? Uh, there's definitely within there, right? The echoes that you want to see in terms of how they focus. But I, what I would say, Dave, is that it's not just about the work of setting vision. So many organizations don't have the structures in place to have a place of continual consideration, right? To have a place of continual inquiry. Uh, what I'm finding with the organizations I'm working with is it's strategy shouldn't be a set it and forget it, right? What it is, is a place of 
what we know today is not sufficient for what we need for tomorrow. How are we in a place of continual curiosity that makes us continue to explore what are the places that we need to gain knowledge, perspective, experience, so that the strategy we set and the vision we set is something that's living and breathing and continue to be discussed and continue to be considered. So it, yeah, yes, it provides milestones and direction, but it's not stagnant. Right. And that comes from a place of leaders seeking perspectives outside of their own. Is, is it a particular process that you follow or is it really quite unique for every organization? You know, for each organization, what's unique is that we're trying to determine based off of their capacity, culture uh, and willingness to shift. What does success look like? And then I'm a certified professional facilitator, so I don't have a single process. I have really a depth of uh, tools and approaches that there's going to be different culture based off in, and a medically based organization is different than one that's in construction. That's different than one that's in, I don't know, the food and in the in services industry, right? And so their capacity to operate on a strategic level in terms of coming up with vision and direction changes depending on how much they're immersed in that in their day-to-day and how much they can step forward in leadership. That just right. blows my mind. It, it totally just blows my mind that you can walk into an organization, listen to them, you know, I'm sure ask some questions, listen, and then model out a unique plan of uh, or a plan of attack for yeah. helping them. Like I'm such a process oriented guy. Everything I do in my business is uh, around creating standard operating procedures, right? I don't yeah. want I don't want things to be different. I want everything. Uh, don't get me wrong. I want to be very very clear. Every client is different, but sure. we want to create an environment where the differences are are managed. Yeah, and and through process. And so it blows me away that you can go into every situation and create a unique environment. Well, that's because, I mean, this is the difference between a consultant and a facilitator, right? Like as a consultant, do I bring in cross examples of best practice or what's worked? Sure. But my primary role as a partner with organizations is as a facilitator. And so there's some similar approaches and prompt questions, right? But the substance of what emerges and the direction we need to go, it doesn't come from me. It's about setting the stage to ask the right questions so that these leaders aren't there to discuss and decide, but to ask and listen, right? And collectively learn and then evaluate from one another's perspective and what other perspectives we can bring in from audiences and from membership and from customers, right? That which is the greatest potential for impact and success. And so the role I play, Dave, right? Isn't one of telling them what to do. It's one of helping them hear each other. It's one of curiosity inquiry. Yeah. And that means that every group's unique in terms of like the voices they have at the table, how they're hearing each other. I had the opportunity to work with Lowell. Like, was it last year, Lowell, or the year before last? It was. Oh, COVID is such a myth. Let, let's say last year. Let's so say he, last. He, he did work for MTI? No, 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 no. no I, so I get a call from a, from a group who is looking for a facilitator. And so they're talking to me and they, they're, they're really sold out because I got referred into me because I did a lot of, a lot of, uh, um, facilitation and strategic planning with boards in the past. And then so uh, they said, but, and then he called me back about two weeks later and said, Hey, Tom, sorry for the delay. But one of our board members wanted, they discovered this group called ASAE and they decided they wanted to look around and see if they could 
you know, kind of shop it out and see if there's other options out there with you as well. And I'm like, hey, I totally get that. Totally get it. So he calls me back a week later and says, so we've, um, we've identified a couple of people. And, and, and I said, well, who are you looking at? Because I know them all. He said, well, the other guy we're looking at is Lil Applebaum. I'm like, well, let me just ask you one question. How would you like to work with Lil and me as opposed to getting just one of us? Because we bring two different perspectives, but the same end result. See, he made so them I, an offer they couldn't refuse. He was the godfather. The he, godfather. He, 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 he said, we would love that if you could pull that off. So I, I called, I texted Lil and said, hey, how'd you like yeah. to co-work on a, co-collaborate on, a, on a, an organization? He said, I'd love to. So we came together, worked it out with them, and they got a phenomenal plan and they loved it. But what I love working about working with Lowell, um, which he so said correctly, is Lowell has this great capacity to ask the right question at the right moment to get them to see the right path to move forward from where they're at. I think that's what the strength of doing any type of planning is, is to help you look past the old and look into the new so that you can embrace the change that's coming right before us. And Lowell does that massively, which one of the things I want to ask you, Lowell, is as you look at working with those 86, the ones you've worked with in your career, I mean, everybody that's listening on our show is typically an association executive. So what is the key components of the pushback when it comes to strategic plans and looking at the new in front? Because many people- That's a great question, Tom. Really good question, yeah. A lot of your boards are still controlled by younger to older baby boomers. And so they're the ones that aren't exactly, let's change things because- that means that what we did the past 10 years wasn't maybe right in their mind. So yep. what's kind of some of the key pushbacks and obstacles that you see that you run into when you're looking at this conversation? I'm going to give you two, maybe three. Uh, the first is that I most often see pushback, not when there isn't the good potential for vision and strategy, but when the organization doesn't have a good system in place by which it demonstrates how it is progressing, Right how it is achieving, how it's actually taking what's been set as direction. And they've been taking steps towards advancing towards that or had setbacks. When that communications breaks down with leadership, they feel like the strategy has no purpose because where is it actually going? Is it anything happening with it? And so I wish more organizations, if if you haven't looked, the uh, American Art Therapy Association put out a beautiful last year, type in American Art Therapy Association uh, impact report. Their impact, the way they were able to capture, right, in a report that, first of all, is beautiful because it's art therapy, but not just the efforts they made, but the impact they were able to make from those efforts. I think more organizations need to think about that. If you want to have trust and leadership from the strategy you're setting, how are you translating that to places of impact, right? So that there is a transparency and effort in meaning as well as in setbacks. So I think that's, that's one piece of it, Tom. I think the other is just the culture that we charge our leadership to fulfill, Right. If, if what we are expecting from leaders is to come together to discuss and decide things, and that is their primary role, then what they're going to be seeking is decisions. If instead what we're charging our leadership is to not just make the right decisions, but to be in a state of continual curiosity by which they have to be in a learning mindset, that's the questions they ask of each other, of those that are not in the room, of the potential future, so that each conversation, each board meeting, each interaction is a place of greater discovery and therefore refining the future you're trying to create. That helps build a trust in strategy, right? Because hopefully strategy is the process by which you realize a vision, right? And so if you don't have a concordant place of continual visioning, right, of what is this future we're going towards, then there's not a trust in the strategy because where are you headed? 
And so I think that there's a place there of continual curiosity we have to embed uh, as part of the culture of our organization and our leadership. And I think that the two and a half, the last piece of that is that translates then into what are the actual structures of leadership that we find and that we have in place uh, that are the right voices at the right moment to actually advance our organizations in the ways that we need. So what, so how do you, how do you deal with um, one as a, as a, an executive that has a rogue, not a rogue board member, but a, a, the, the board members that are saying, you know what, we just don't get it. I mean, yeah. What, what should CEOs and executives be, how should they be addressing those elements during the process? I mean, if they say they don't get it, right, that means you're not asking the right questions, right? Because when you say you don't get it, right, the, what you really want to try to determine is within the process we're going through, tell me what your vision is if we are successful in this process, right? If you are here because your heart, your pocket, and your mind are in the best interest of what the mission of this organization is, tell me what are the discussions we need to have so we can align that to put our resources in the right place. And if you start to have those conversations, you create avenues for each of their voices to be present in those considerations, then they get that their voice is present, right? right. Then they get that they hear each other's voices and even if the eventual outcome of priority of an organization doesn't align specifically to what their priority was, the fact that their voice was present in the consideration of those priorities means they're bought into the place of where the outcome can be. Right. It doesn't mean you don't have the far ends of the bell curve of the person who wants to be the loudest voice in the room and hog the microphone and, and say, like, follow what I want to do. That's, that's always going to happen uh, on odd moments and odd cycles of leadership. Uh, and there, I think the hope is that you've built the kind of base of strength and leadership that a peer-to-peer -peer can help right-size those voices uh, from an officer of the board capacity so that their voice can be honored and present, but doesn't outshine, outshadow, outcrowd the space from others. Do you see different conversations from professional societies versus trade associations? I mean, mm -hmm. you have a business entrepreneur mindset in most trade associations and in the in the professional society, it's more of a field of study and, yeah. and the leaders. One's managing a $10 million business potentially, the other one's ma managing, you know, I don't know, they have a $60,000 a year salary is their biggest budget and they're on the board of this organization. So I mean, is there a different mindset between the professional society versus the, the trade groups? You know, I'd say that there's a, one of the differences I would say between the two is the potential for an incremental versus exponential mindset, right? If you look at individual member organizations, right, the means by which they determine success is like every single individual, right? Like, did they renew? Did we get a new one, right? And that incremental means that it's really hard to have exponential potential. And I think some of this is the reframing of what we think about in terms of how we rely on dues as the single factor by which you belong to an organization. You know, a trade organization where it's a whole company that's a part of it, uh, I think within there, there's a, a greater capacity to say, what does it mean if we were to represent, right, not just a handful, but a magnitude? What would it mean, right, if the voice that we bring to the table, so often trade organizations do in representing from a public persona, a regulatory, a legislative persona, the important issues, that we could say we represent not 100, but 10,000. And so the, the difference I see, Tom, is really in the idea of like the organization being able to focus on what the potential investments could be. 
individual member organizations do amazing work for individual professionals in their careers, but the incremental nature of having to worry about every single individual makes it difficult to invest those resources in exponential right. potential, right? Trade organizations can hopefully because the members themselves, like the companies, right? Like represent tens, hundreds, thousands. They can take leaps that could reframe models of what that affiliation looks like so that representation could have magnitudes of impact. I love that conversation about trade versus um, professional associations. um, I've found a lot of interest in it. So obviously at Propula, we work with primarily associations and, and in our client base, about a third of our clients are trade associations. And the approach to marketing and communications in many ways is very similar, but the opportunities are different, right? The, the, um, the end result of what a trade association ultimately is trying to accomplish is, is a little bit different than that of a professional association. So that's where I find it really, really fascinating. Lowell, number one, I, I, I looked up the uh, American Art Therapy Association uh, impact report. Super cool. I, I've never seen an impact report. Is this a common thing for associations to do an impact report? I mean, it's look, healthy organizations certainly do on a regular basis of state of the union. Right. And what I've actually seen over the course of the past two years with COVID is that's become quarterly fireside chats, right? Some way to better connect leadership with a greater membership. Uh, But I mean, I've seen annual reports and there's right. some similarities, but I really like the approach of this impact report impact because report, they've got right? testimonials. They've mm-hmm. got numbers that you wouldn't normally see in a uh, annual report. Like, um, I mean, they have all about their membership. That is annual report member satisfaction, right. uh, the member engagement statistics. I mean, but then I, I love also the pic, like the pictorial represent, like infographics, right? The pictorial representation. I mean, I, yeah. so I'm pursuing a doctor in education right now, right? And so it's so interesting to learn through theories of adult education how much our own learning systems continue to develop and change, right? Like we are inundated with how many emails a day, like how much copy, right? And so how are we actually developing and intentionally thinking about how does someone actually how do we grab attention and help them learn? And I do think that if we think about the marketing communication you were talking about before, Dave, right? Like it is the infographic, the picture, right? That grabs, that can still grab attention better than just more copy. Oh, I need to talk to you about this. This is a real passion of mine is how do you get people's attention and service them yeah. better, right? And this is something that you and I have talked about even before we hit record on this is how do you service people the best? How do you service people the best? All you ask questions, right? Yep. That, that's yeah, that's absolutely. my brother. That is everything we stand for. We do it significantly different. I told you earlier, this is not this podcast, not about promoting propul, but sometimes it comes in. It's coming yeah. in right now because I want to compare this to what you do. You go in, you connect with people in person, face to face. You're asking uh, intense, open ended, sometimes not intense, but you're asking questions, yeah. getting people talking. And you're doing that with a group of five, 10, 20 people generally, right? 
Uh, as, as low as five, as much as hundreds. Yep. Wow. Wow. So, so yeah. the, what, what got me all jazzed about hearing that? Yeah. I got, I said jazzed, jazz hands. What gets me all jazzed about that is that's the philosophy yeah. that we're bringing to associations to engage their members better is to ask questions to spark conversation. And if we can ask questions to spark conversation, we're getting at, at a different magnitude. You know, you're going real deep in person for hours with a team of people. You know, the kind of when we're asking questions, we're really just it's the tip of the iceberg sparking a conversation, but it's the same mentality. And that's why I love to hear what you're talking about, your your passion for asking questions and listening, curiosity. I think if we can take that generally to the way associations uh, manage their engagement, yeah, th th that's a massive shift in marketing mentality. Well, I think the exponential potential in it, Dave, is how do we help organizations, nonprofits and associations in particular actually look at a curiosity inquiry mindset is not something that we bring to them, but they expect of themselves, right? Yes. That, Amen. Yeah. That, that like with, within, within how they interact, within how they structure their meetings, within how they structure their work and their conversations is an inquiry mindset that we need to think about, not just the answers we need to determine, but the questions we need to ask so we get to better answers. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, I think for us, you know, in, a, in our association, one of the things I all and, and, and Dave's Dave's tech, Dave's platform has really brought it another element to the table for us is, you know, in the daily grind of running your business, everybody typically always feels alone. They feel like they're the only one that suffers with get, hiring people, with retaining people, with finding productivity, with emerging technologies that are, you know, trying to put them out. Of, they think they're the only person in the world that's experiencing all that stuff. And so the moment that you figure out that there's technology that allows you to ask questions or get input from members outside your doorway, and you're like, wow, 62% of our industry is having a challenge hiring good people. Well, hell, that means now all of a sudden I have a big relief because now I'm not the only, inside, I'm not the only person that feels that way. You know, and I think that's, that's a, half the battle in an association is taking what you can, what I think Dave is doing and what you're doing with organizations is taking those conversations from just being inside the office to now with technology, you can take them outside the office and yeah. you can, you can have real time, uh, you know, feelings that you can feel that help you at least breathe a little bit. Cause when you feel like you're the only person in the world that's experiencing that problem, right. your heart gets tense, your mind gets distracted. And now you just saw that everybody's down in sales this month. It's like, all right, I can breathe. Now, now I can go to my team and say, Hey guys, ladies, it's going to be okay. Every, this is a trend for everybody, not just right. us. I think that's the power of the conversation. Well, I think that's where Dave, you were asking before about methodologies, right? And uh, and surfacing, you know, the ideas of like the moonshot of thirty years, and then what are we doing three to five years, and how do we structure it? And I think many of those pieces still are similar in terms of setting a vision and a strategy, and so that you have a way to measure like achievement, progress, and plan. But I think the differentiator, right? isn't in those pieces, but is in the underlying piece of like how we look to determine not just those pieces, but the work in between, the conversations in between, the questions in between, right? A, a mindset and a process of continual curiosity takes what you're saying, Tom, right? When we go in with questions and we hear resonating thoughts from others that like the things we're concerned about, others are concerned about as well. 
right? The brilliance that we have can actually help others as well, right? When we create the space for that kind of sharing of perspective of knowledge of experience through a humbleness of asking, suddenly we're more inclined to help each other. We're more inclined to hear each other, we're more inclined to find those bonds that connect one another and not divide one another. And I think the world needs more of that. I think we come up with better visions because of that. I think we come up with better priorities because of that. Hey, Lowell, where do you typically start with, uh, I mean, 86 associations, 86 clients who worked with last year or so, yeah. give or take. Um, where do you typically start? Do you Is it based on you know, their inquiry, or do you generally start in the same place with everybody, regardless of their inquiry? Sure. Uh, there's two or three questions I always start with. Right? Yes, that's what I'm asking. Um, that, thank yeah. you. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Where do you start? Perfect. Uh, so the two or three questions I always start with are number one, right? Like always when you go into a process, whether it's a leadership reimagining or a vision and strategy, that is always the first page of the next chapter of an organization, right? And so what I'm very aware of is that we are, we are lucky enough to be their partners in writing that first page, but they have a whole chapter right after that, right? And so what I need to understand, and the first question is when we get to the time that our work on this segment is done, I need to understand as, as much detail as possible what crossing the finish line looks like. Like, what do you need, right, in order to succeed so that beyond our work, you're going to be able to take it and run with it and make further impact by it. And so the first question is one of specifics of output that I'm looking for their perspectives on, and we can continue to discuss. So, no, the, so the question you're asking is what does success look like after this project is done? When we, get after to the, the, when, when we get to the end of our of this stage of our partnership, yep. tell me what success is for you, right? We, at, at, that's, we ask the same question. When we're kicking off a new client, that's literally yeah. one of the first questions we ask in our kickoff meeting. So they've already bought, right? They've already signed the contract for a subscription with a, our software, right? It's yeah. a totally different delivery. But the first question we ask is, how will you know if this worked? Yeah. What does success look like? What would you call awesome in six yeah. months from now? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Awesome. Good. What's the next right? one? Well, this next one is then like once they've talked, once they've stated some of that or talked about that, the next question is, what are the voices and perspectives and considerations we need to accumulate during a period of discovery so that the precious time we have, there's almost always a retreat, right? There's this intense time, whether it's in person or virtual, that you're trying to basically take all the input beforehand, translate it into what's actually, how do we understand that which is most vital, most hopeful, right? Most inspirational and take it into a vision and strategy. So what are those visions and perspectives we need to consider beforehand, right? Does that mean surveys, focus groups, like, like input, like what, what is the idea of market environment membership so that we can align all those pieces? Because what you don't want is a group coming together that goes through a process of setting vision and strategy that the only thing they bring to the table is their own perspective. Because they may have the right heart, but that's limiting. That's I was a say hard question. Raise your hand and says, "So you want to ask people outside the board their opinions?" <laughs> I, I, I always right. I don't tell them what to do. So I frame to them whose voices do you think need to be considered? Right. Whose voices are we going to bring into this? Yeah. Well, that's a. I think that's a hard question. Uh, 
you must have to lead people down the path of the answer, right? Well, there, I mean, there's or do, do a lot of people just say, oh, that, well, come, that come with it, right? Because there are, uh, there are groups that try to solve that by having every single voice represented in the room, right? Uh, which is where you get the strategic facilitations of dozens and dozens and dozens. Uh, and then you have, and what I love about the question, right, of who are the voices that we need to consider so we have the right perspectives to understand what the potentials are for the future of our organization and the mission it needs to drive impact, isn't a question of a single, of a single effort and strategy. That's actually a question of continual checking, right? Yeah. If every cycle of new board members coming on, you ask that question of a new board as a whole and their onboarding of, as we think about the 12 months ahead to get to where we want to be in three years, whose voices do we need to seek to have a better level of understanding so we can better right-size what we offer, how we communicate, how we compete, how we ally? Whose voices would we focus on? What discovery do we need to do in knowledge and in perspective? What I'm hoping, like in all this process, like that's key to a strategic planning process, but what that's really is a, is a cornerstone of actually governance excellence, right? Of organizational inquiry and curiosity as part of a process of always seeking to have continual input to refine. I think a big part, Lauren, you've probably run into this too. One of the first slides I have up whenever I did, by the way, um, I don't do any more strategic planning because the, my, between running my association, just doing keynotes, I one day called Law and said, Law, dude, I just, I need to put these on the back burner. Can I just refer these to you? Yeah, well, Tom, if you, you use the kind of energy you use in your keynotes, which is off the charts in the strategic planning, I, I would have to like sleep for two weeks afterwards. <laughs> I have to sleep for two weeks after we record one of these podcasts. So uh, hey, hey, what, what, I, what I wanted to get to, Dave, real quick is, yeah. is, is, is Lowell, wouldn't you say that getting the mindset from the very first moment in a board member's frame to because here's the slide I used to put that I would always put up very early on and it said the following when when personalities become bigger than the purpose it is the beginning of the end of the purpose and it really sets the tone for you need to check your ego at the door and put all those those preconceived notions about your business who you are in the back and put the association in the center the member in the center and it really helped some because you know a lot of times you're facilitating with a lot of big egos a lot of successful yeah. business owners who think they really know it all when the world of associations as a board member they don't yeah and so that one statement i always kind of hit on and so i just want to get your comments on you know just personalities versus purpose and getting people to the right frame of mind and to, to begin to think that way you know i i have a different way i think i frame it but i think that comes to a similar place tom uh, one of the things I introduced to organizations early on is that the enemy to progress are two things. The enemy to progress is unanimity and nostalgia, right? Because nostalgia makes you beholden to an imagined remembrance of what was in the past that doesn't let you remember all the things that were the troubles of the time. And so you have to like take forward the best, but not be beholden to the past, right? right. You're not trying to recreate the past. Right, which takes those with large egos, like this is the way it used to be. We have to make it again. It hopefully lets them let go of a yesterday mindset to a tomorrow mindset. The other side of that is unanimity, right? Like in terms of progress, if you are trying at every step that your ego says that what I say has to go and like everyone has to agree with me, 
you get stuck in cycles of trying to make sure every single voice is on board that doesn't let you actually create in a continual fashion the future that the organization needs. And so there has to be, if you're willing to let go of unanimity, instead get to a place of majority, instead get to a place that we're all going to voice perspectives and opinions, but we will go as a collective single voice with that which the majority says, that helps to diminish ego some as well. Because then it doesn't have to be a single voice that's the only one that everyone has to agree with. So I I think I hear echoes of what you're saying in it, uh, and I think it accomplishes the same thing. I love that it's two different lenses on it, though. Dave, I'm trying to read your face about hearing that, though. Mm -mm. No, I got nothing. I'm looking at the clock, and I want to be respectful to your time. And uh, Tom, are you ready for that last question we always ask? Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. So, Lowell, what what we do at the end of this podcast is is it's just a little just our way of summarizing things. And and so Tom and I want to give you a second to think through it. But Tom and I will uh, comment on one. Uh, and oftentimes it's difficult because there's two or three things that are really standing out. But one thing that stands out from our conversation today, um, Tom, you want to go first? Yeah, man. So, so I, I never can nail it down to one, but I have two. And and so one is one is just low making the comment that, you know, if you get a, a board member or board members that aren't seeing the value for change, you're not and they're pushing back when change is really needed. You're just not asking the right questions. You need to figure that out. And the second thing is just what he just said. Don't, don't be beholden to nostalgia to the past because so much. When you're talking to a guy that's been on the board or lady has been on the board for 10 plus years sometimes, and they did so much work 10 years ago, the fact that we're considering change today, they don't look at it as changing with the marketplace. They look at it as changing something that they did that makes them feel like, well, wait a minute, you're saying what we did was wrong 10 years. That's not right. That's not what we're saying. So those are the two big takeaways for me is, is to really figure out asking the right questions to get them to embrace the change, but also get them to know that we do pushing us to have to change in certain ways. I, Tom, I, I agree. The, the, the biggest takeaway for, damn it, I got three too. So the <laughs> biggest takeaway for me was um, the important, and I think the reason it was the biggest takeaway is because it's the one I identify with the most. It's right. That's the thing that typically gets people excited is something that they can bring back to themselves. Right? It's cool that Lowell's into asking questions, but what's cooler is that Lowell's into asking questions, and so am I. Right? right. And we yep. do. We have a slightly different approach to the way we bring it to the world, uh, but that's what got me excited: is the commonality in our passion for curiosity and 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 sparking conversations with questions. The the but the other thing is, I actually think that resource, the American Art Therapy Association um impact report was really cool like really really cool to look at and so that was another thing the last thing i want to comment on is just strictly about lowell i did a webinar with lowell i want to say a year ago maybe it's during covid yeah and i don't remember the topic lowell but it doesn't matter it's probably somewhere around engagement or strategic planning or something like that we do and i'm I remember saying, hey, Lowell, do you want to do a webinar with, with me? I, I think it'd be a cool topic if we did this, and I'd love to talk to you about this. And, and you're like, sure. So a week before I reach out, I'm like, yeah, I started some slides. And you're like, slides? And I was like, yeah, well, don't we want to like show things? And you're like, I don't know. wasn't. I just want to talk, you know? And I was like, yes. Like, it just kind of... 
for some reason, my point being like, you are so sincere with the people in this industry. And, and uh, I mean, that's how I know you through the industry more than personally, but you're so sincere with the people you work with. Uh, and, And we had this conversation earlier, everything you do, you're not doing to pay the bills. That's a nice output from the work you do but the the input that leads into it is this pure passion and that comes through in the way you talk so thank you for that and those are my that those are my those are my one takeaway well that that one made me blush a little bit that was nice Uh, what i'll what i'll say besides thank you uh and uh, my children appreciate i put food on the table to pay the bills yeah that's helpful as well right Hey, but what we said earlier about that is generally, and this is a philosophy I have, generally money yep. is a measurement of success that comes from having created value. And that applies to everyone. That applies to associations. If you're not creating value, you're not going to get their dues revenue or the conference revenue or or whatever. Uh, right. And for you, the same is true. If you're not creating value, you're not going to get paid. If our software is not creating value, we're not going to get paid. M- whether you, you do it for the money or not, the money generally is a metric of the value you create. Well, I think the heart comes from a deep-seated belief, having worked inside and continue with the potential, I believe, for mission-based organizations to impact our communities and our society to build a better world. And what could be more important than that? Uh, But the methodology there, I think one of the reasons and the takeaway or however we're framing it is right. My company uh, and what we do walks the walk and not just talks the talk in terms of a radical, consistent and continual curiosity mindset that if we just were able to want to know each other a little bit better, if we just cared a little bit more about each other's perspectives and knowledge and experience, I mean, not only would we have overall a more caring society, which would be nice, but we would have such a greater depth of understanding, such a greater opportunity for collaboration and compromise and consensus uh, that the struggle to find places where our voices are unified may not be as hard. And I think that that, when you look at facilitation, is that not it as essence, right? To ask the right questions, to help people hear each other, to come to places of disagreement, but with respect, but hopefully to come to places of greater strength through understanding uh, and speaking with a stronger voice. Well, I got to ask you, when, when, when what was the year that you worked at your last association? When was? Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, 2016. This is actually the fifth. This will be the fifth anniversary of five years of being. Who was that? I remember that's, I met you when you were working for an association. Who, who was that you were working for? I worked for five different associations. So the last was the American Society of Parental Enteral Nutrition. Before that was Society for Neuroscience. Before that was the International Facility Management Association. Before that was the Regulatory Affairs Professional Society. And my first was the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, where my, I remember the interview for it, right? It was for a student corporations professional position, uh, where I went in to the interview and said, I know nothing about chemical engineering. And they said, that's okay. We're hiring you because we don't know much about getting student members yet. 
uh, right? <laughs> and and got them from 3,000 to 13,000 student members in a year and a half. And awesome. I'm like, oh, this is fun. And the reason I asked that is because well, I can remember being at Great Ideas in 2014 or 15 talking to you and I'm like what's going on you're like well I'm no longer at my association where I'm like what are you going to do and you're like well I'm going to try this consulting thing I, I remember that too kick it around yeah. a little bit and see how I can make it fly and and then I remember following up with you like every six months and how's it going what are you doing any way I can help and so for yeah. me sitting here listening to you had 86 organizations just last year that you helped transform where they were and where they're going I'm just a proud friend man that says congratulations on going from Man, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't even know if I can make any money at it and support my family, my kids. Uh, you're on top of it and and going a good direction. So just thank you. I'll say job well done, man. It's been great knowing you through that journey. Well, I'll say I'm thankful. You know, much like the both of you, you know, those of us that are part of our community uh, are lucky enough to have the support of a community. Right? Oh my God, you guys are going to make me throw up. <laughs> and in good times, in bad times, right? I mean, <laughs> exactly. This, this is how this is how it works as we support group hug. All right. So, thank you, Lowell. Hey, Lowell. Thank you. If, if people want to reach you yeah. uh, at Lowell Applebaum, A-P-L-E-B-A-U-M, Vistacova. Vistacova.com. Vistacova.com works. V-I-S-T-A-C-O-V-A. Yep. And what's your email? Do you want to leave that in here? Lowell at L-O-W-E-L-L at Vistacova.com. V-I-S-T-A-C-O-V-A. Thank you for joining us, brother. Thank you for having me. We hope you gained some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.